You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. Uncertainty. Uncertainty. That is certainly the buzzword at the moment, isn't it? Uncertainty. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. You look around, you turn on the TV, you listen to Spotify ads, whatever it is, we only have to look around, look up from wherever we are to know that we are living in uncertain times. Whether it's food security and the prices at the supermarket, like, man, what was, um, what was, I was almost going to pay $11 a kilo for a capsicum the other day. Well, crazy. Go to Aldi, they're cheaper there. Whether it's food security, global relations, cost of living, wage growth or lack thereof, or even just this thing of like trying to work out just how high is this inflation needing to go before things kind of right themselves and I can breathe again. So many things we're dealing with right now are uncertain. And maybe it's just me, but I'm thinking it's probably not. As human beings, we don't deal well with uncertainty, do we? Not on the whole. We don't like things being uncertain. Waiting and watching and, and feeling, for the most part, pretty well powerless in uncertain times, it's not something that we enjoy. It's not something that, <laughs> for, for anyone who went through like the global financial crisis in years past, it's not like, hey, let's do that again. That was wonderful. We don't like uncertain times. Many of us here and listening today have probably been thinking about how am I possibly going to make ends meet? How am I going to make it work? We might be thinking about how creative we can get in terms of our meal planning. How many, how many legumes and other cheap canned things can we throw into meals so it kind of stretches a bit further to be able to feed our families. Or maybe um, there's some slides there. Maybe we could think about how we could forego some of those little luxuries of life. Like, who, who wants to pay $5.50 for a, a small coffee? Well, I do, but we won't. I budget for it, guys. It's okay. But we kind of think, like, how could we maybe say no to that second coffee just so I could kind of pull those purse strings a little tighter and, and um, free up some funds? Maybe some of us are thinking about how can we refinance if we've got a home loan? How can we maybe tweak our current repayments so we can continue to pay our mortgage and with the, with the rates that kind of seem to go up every couple of weeks at the moment, don't they? Maybe some of us are thinking, would it be possible to all just pretty well wear a blanket in the evening, every night, so we can just turn the heater off, so we don't have to worry about the rising costs of electricity and gas. And maybe some of us, I don't know, you have to be fairly close to work or, or your community to be able to do this, but maybe some of us have even thought of pulling out the old deadly treadly from under the house just so we can make our weekly fuel balance stretch that little bit further. Friends, in uncertain times, it's natural to feel overwhelmed, anxious, and afraid. 
Many of us, no doubt, are feeling some of those emotions today. Or if we're not feeling them right now, you're saying, thanks, Joel, for reminding me of what I have been feeling. We've probably been wrestling with them for some time in recent times. And look, this mightn't immediately sound encouraging, but stick with me because it actually is. We're not the first people in history to have faced uncertain times. Oh, thanks, Joel. In fact, God's word is full. It's chock-a-block full of accounts where people have faced different and some similar real-life challenges and have felt the same things that we're likely feeling today. Overwhelmed, afraid, and anxious. And today, I want to take a, a little, little break from our God's story, but it's kind of God's story anyway, because it's all God's story, isn't it? But I want to draw our attention to one such example from the prophet Isaiah. So let's just, let's just pray first and invite God to really speak to our hearts wherever it is we're at today. Because, yeah, as I was on, on leave, as Laura and I were praying, this was just a word that, that God really laid on my heart. So I believe it's for many of us here today. So let's just open our hearts and invite him in to speak. Yeah? Let's pray. Lord, in these uncertain times, we can be so thrown. We can be like a, a ship in a storm without an anchor, just blowing to and fro, taking on damage, slowly getting beaten down until we feel like we're going to sink. And yet, Lord, we take heart from knowing that, firstly, we're not the first who have ever faced times like this. And secondly, Lord, we take heart knowing that you are a God who has plenty to say and speak into times like this. So God, we pray today that as you speak through me, that you would speak your words to the hearts of each individual person here. And Lord, by your spirit, that they would be honed and, and kind of targeted to get to and speak to and bring hope and encouragement to each of the individual situations that people are facing and dealing with. Lord, speak powerfully, we pray, and move in our spirits. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, if you've got your Bibles with me, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to start reading from, reading from verse 9, and we'll go all the way through to the end of the chapter, okay? So it's going to be a good journey. This is God speaking to his people through the prophet Isaiah. It says, Go up, go on up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good news. Lift up your voice with strength, O Jerusalem, herald of good news. Lift it up, fear not. Say to the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God comes with might. And his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand and marked off the heavens with a span? 
enclosed the dust of the earth in a measure and weighed the mountains in scales and the hills in a balance. Who has measured the spirit of the Lord? Or what man shows him his counsel? Whom did he consult and who made him understand? Who taught him the path of justice and taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding? Behold, the nations are like a drop from a bucket and are as counted as the dust on the scales. Behold, he takes up the coastlands like fine dust. Lebanon would not suffice for fuel, nor are its beasts enough for a burnt offering. All the nations are as nothing before him. They are accounted by him as less than nothing and emptiness. To whom then will you liken God, or what likeness compare with him? An idol? A craftsman casts it, and a goldsmith overlays it with gold and casts for it silver chains. He who is too impoverished for an offering chooses wood that will not rot. He seeks out a skillful craftsman to set up an idol that will not move. Do you not know? Do you not hear? Has it not been told you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he who sits above the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them like a tent to dwell in, who brings princes to nothing and makes the rulers of the earth as emptiness. Scarcely are they planted, scarcely sown, Scarcely has their stem taken root in the earth when he blows on them and they wither and the tempest carries them off like stubble. To whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see. Who created these? He who brings out their hosts by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, And because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not grow faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But those who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Don't you just love reading or listening to a long passage of Scripture being read? So good. There's nothing like taking the time to just sit in God's story and let it speak to our hearts. You see, God here, right here in Isaiah, 
is speaking to people just like us. Not just like us, because they're in a different context and all of that sort of thing, but just like us in the sense that they're people he's speaking to who are facing uncertain times too. What uncertain times are they facing? Exile in Babylon. If you take the time this week to have a read through Isaiah, you'll discover that Isaiah is kind of constructed, intentionally designed, with 39 chapters of warnings at the start. It's like 39 solid chapters of warnings of judgment, basically. Israel, Isaiah continually reminds God's people, guys, guys, stop trying to go your own way. Come back to God. Repent. Follow his commands. Life will go well for you. That's kind of the 39 first uh, chapters. And as we've reflected on this year through God's story, this is kind of a key pattern that we see in Scripture, don't we? It's like this, this desire of God, guys, this is not going to go well for you. Please come back. Please come back. Follow me. It's the way life is meant to be lived. And sadly, this moment in time, we see the same kind of response from God's people. Israel, in these chapters, they choose to sin. They choose to rebel. And God brings judgment on his people. And God allows his people to be carried off into exile in Babylon. And if you want to read more, uh, sorry, hear more about that, you can listen to a message that was shared a while back from about King Hezekiah. And while these first 39 chapters are full of warnings, there's a beautiful shift that happens in this chapter 40 here. As a reverend, Chris Shelton, puts it, he says, the rest of the book of Isaiah is prophetically written as a balm and a promise to a future decimated Israel, hopelessly trapped in exile in Babylon. So today, what I want to do is just highlight a couple of truths that that God has really laid on my heart as I sat reading and reflecting on this passage for weeks while on leave. I literally read this over and over and over and over again. And I I really believe that, that as we do this, this is going to bring encouragement and hope to those of us who right now are feeling hopelessly trapped. Not trapped in exile, not trapped in exile in Babylon, praise God, but still trapped, still feeling hamstrung, still feeling kind of not quite where we should be and um, with pressures and that sort of thing, powerless to deal with uncertain things we're facing in these times. So you might have noticed as we read through Isaiah before, but what would you say is like the main theme of Isaiah chapter 40? What's like a theme there that kind of came through fairly strong? Anyone want to have a crack? How big God is. Well, that's exactly it. You nailed it. And you know what? That's what God prompts Isaiah to share with his people. The very first thing he says is, your God is a great big God. Yeah? We love singing that song, don't we? It's one of our favourites. It's the kids' favourites. Oh, God is a great, great God. Great, great dance moves. But the best thing about this song is that it reminds us of what Isaiah is reminding Israel in this uncertain and challenging time that they're in too. God is a great 
big God. Isaiah 40 is just chock-a-block full of descriptions about how big and how mighty and how sovereign and how all-knowing and all-powerful and all these things God is. Verses, you know, there's, there's plenty there. You could just kind of scroll through it as I'm going here. But there's 12 to 18. You can, you can see them up there. Verses 21 to 29. All this imagery of like reminding people, guys, God is a big God. Your God is a big, big God. You know, just, yeah, beautiful, beautiful imagery talking about how, you know, the things that we see as big, like, say, I don't know, like, say, a, a real example would be the rise of um, China in, in our region or um, Vladimir Putin, and we see these guys as being kind of having influence and whatever, and we can feel anxious about it, but God says they're as nothing, basically. They're like grasshoppers. All the inhabitants of the earth are like grasshoppers. Like God is so much bigger and bigger than we often remember. And you know, Israel, who, who were facing and dealing with the consequences of their sin, they needed to be reminded that their God was a big, big God right then. And we, as we face uncertainty, and we deal with many real challenges in our time, we too would be wise to, to learn from Isaiah's encouragement here and take the same ourselves, to, to lift up our eyes, to lift up our eyes out of our circumstances, out of what we're currently feeling, which is very real. I've felt it too in different ways. It's very real. It can be crippling. It can feel horrible. But God would say to us to look up, to look up and behold him, sovereign, mighty, great big God. You know, you think about it. Our God is a great big God and he can handle right now what you feel is an impossible financial situation. God can handle it. Our God's a great big God and he can handle these intense emotions and feelings like frustration, anger, doubt, whatever it is, he can handle those too. Don't let, don't let Satan kind of come in and say, oh, God doesn't care for people like you. He does. He does. Our God is a great big God and he can handle those health circumstances that are stealing your joy, those health circumstances that are making your everyday life a living hell. God is a great big God and he can handle them. Friends, any single burden, stress, overwhelming situation that you are dealing with today, something that is weighing on your heart, something that is weighing you down, our God is a great big God and he can handle it. You know, Isaiah reminded Israel, behold, look up, see your God. He's a great big God. And today... God's inviting us to do the very same thing too. You know, so often it's just a perspective shift, isn't it? We can look at a, at a glass and say, oh, that's almost empty. Or with God's help, we can look at something as we've connected with him, as we've enjoyed him, as we've remembered that he is sovereign and he is good and say, wow, God, thank you for providing me an almost three-quarter full cup of water here. You know what I'm saying? 
God is such a good God. Friends, what's something that you're dealing with or facing right now that's uncertain or feels just simply like it's completely out of your control? God would encourage you. The prophet Isaiah encourages you. And I want to encourage you today. Look up. Look up and behold our mighty, sovereign God and take heart knowing that he can handle it. He's got big enough shoulders. We like to try and think we've got big shoulders, but we don't, even if we work out. God's got the biggest shoulders and he will sustain, he will make a way, he will even use these horrible moments in history and turn them around for good. So let's be people who would trust our uncertain situations to him today because our God is a great big God. So that's the first. And here's the second. Not only does God prompt Isaiah to remind the Israelites that their God is a great big God, but he prompts Isaiah to remind Israel that Not only is he a big God, but he's also a God who cares and comforts his people. We really struggle with this sometimes, don't we? We really struggle with this sometimes. We can kind of know in our heads and have this picture of of God as this great, big, mighty God. And at times we can kind of have a bit of a disconnect between an accurate image of how big and mighty and powerful and and just he is, and then how we fit in relationship with him. We can see that he's a great big God, but in the depths of our hearts, we kind of are crippled by nagging doubts. We kind of like, well, well, he is big, but, but does he really care about little old me? He's big and sovereign, but surely my constant choice to sin in so many ways, has just been, become like this almost permanent force field that's keeping him at bay. He, he wouldn't want to come anywhere near me. And ultimately, I, I think sometimes we can kind of have this view of God. He's big, and then because of all these things and Satan kind of having a say as well, trying to derail us, we can come back to this fundamental question, well, Jesus loves the world, but does he actually love me? Does he love me? So Isaiah 40, it opens with this word comfort. We didn't read it before. You can read it yourself this week. But it opens with this word comfort. What do do you think of when you think of comfort? Anyone? (laughs) What was that? Big armchair, nice. An arm around his shoulder, yeah. Or anyone who has young kids, you can probably probably relate to this kind of picture. You know, when a kid falls over and scrapes their knee and they've got the tiniest little abrasion and they're just bawling and beside themselves, what do you do? You comfort them and say, they're there, it's okay. Or when their little brother accidentally headbutts them in the nose, while playing, yeah, you say, there, there, you're, you'll be okay. You know, when, when we comfort a child or, 
or someone else and attempt to soothe them, we say, you know, things like just little, nice little platitudes, don't we? It's like, oh, there, there, you'll be okay. And, you know, um, the, the bleeding should clot soon and then it'll be all right. Well, this word comfort used in verse 1 is another example of why so often we just need to dig a little bit deeper in God's word because we can miss understanding God's heart sometimes by just reading it and reading it as our brains would understand a word like comfort. The word here is a Hebrew word, nachamu, and it means come forth, come forth. Dr. John Oswald, he's a scholar who has spent 40 years of his life just in the book of Isaiah, so he probably knows a thing or two more than me about it. He explains that this word means to strengthen and encourage. It instills a sense of security. So God is actually saying, when he's saying, comfort, comfort my people Israel, he is actually saying to them and to us today through the prophet Isaiah, be encouraged, be encouraged. All these chapters before of warnings of judgment and then judgment coming because of your sin, be encouraged, I'm not holding anything against you. I'm not holding anything against you. I long to minister with you. I want to spend time with you, even though you've disobeyed and gone your own way in sin. I long to deliver and free you. You know, we see God's heart to care and comfort in so many passages in this chapter. Verse 10 to 11, for example. Behold, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. Here we go. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. Friends, our great big God, the Lord of hosts, who just with a word spoke everything we see and don't see and understand and still fail to understand into existence in just a moment, this same Lord God comes as a shepherd, approaches us as a shepherd, approaches us as the kind of shepherd who, who just longs for his sheep to be close to him to enjoy the benefits of what he has to provide for them. Sustenance, safety, nurture, care. And he longs to gather us up into his arms, hold us tight, and then gently lead us onwards through whatever seasons we face, just like this one we're facing right now. Now that is a pretty great, great big God, isn't it, friends? In verse 29, it says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. He's just that kind of God. He is just that kind of God. Merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. That is our God. Friends, let me just bring this all home for us this morning. This God, 
this mighty, sovereign, wonderful God who spoke words of comfort to Israel back in their day, he longs to speak the same words of comfort to us as his followers in our day. And these words of comfort, they can be embraced by any of us. These words can act as that quote said before, as a beautiful balm, like this thing that we can apply that will actually bring a, a beautiful sense of soothing and empowering in our hearts and in our spirits. And friends, all it takes, all it takes is for us to turn afresh to him, to refuse to perhaps, for some of us, sit any longer in our own wallowing and self-pity and trying to make things work in our own strength and simply turn to him and wait on him and wait for him to move. Let's read verse 29 again through 31. It says, He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I don't know about you. I don't see myself as a youth anymore, but some of you are saying, you're a youth, Joel. Just, <laughs> just don't get smart with us. You know, we mightn't see ourselves as youth, youths any longer. Maybe we just feel kind of young at heart and young in spirit. But I, I would say many of us here today and watching online, we're likely feeling pretty faint and weary. We're probably feeling exhausted, spiritually exhausted perhaps, physically exhausted, emotionally exhausted as we live in these uncertain times. And the good news in all of this, the good news in this is that God is a great big God who cares for and longs to comfort you, you, me, everyone in the entire world. But let's bring it home. He longs to comfort you. I don't know what it is you're dealing with today. And quite frankly, I don't need to know. I don't need to know. Could be uncertainty with health. Could be uncertainty with family relationships. Could be uncertainty with finances as a result of all these things that are pretty well completely out of our control right now. I don't know. But what I do know is this. God's there and he's just waiting for us to turn to him afresh and to come and wait for him. And when we do that, waiting is not Let's just, just quickly, waiting is not this passive like, oh, I'll wait and see what happens. Waiting in the Lord is an active waiting. It's a Lord, I know your character. I know you are a good, good God. I know that you care and comfort your people. So I am going to wait until that is true for me. I'm going to pray. I'm not going to let go. I'm just going to sit in your presence until something shifts. That's what waiting and when we do that, when we wait on him, and, and even, if, even if we're falling on him in that waiting, as long as we stay there before him, 
He promises to renew our strength and lead us forward in his strength and power. So what we're going to do is we're just going to have a moment of waiting right now. We're just going to have a moment to wait. And once we've taken just just a minute or so to, to wait on the Lord, I'm just going to invite anyone who might want to come forward and maybe maybe Laura, you could come and play a song or something for us. I'm just going to invite people to come forward and, and to receive some prayer. Now, God is a great big God and he cares enough about you and the circumstances and the situations that are weighing you down that he wants to see you leave here a whole lot lighter today. So don't waste this opportunity. Let's wait on him together and receive what he wants to give each of us today.